Before we begin today's episode, we have our patrons over at Patreon. They are Aperba, Nate Hansen, Rock the Green, Andy Herbrandt, Lauren L., Paul Campaneshi, Kelby Goodman, Greg Whalen, Zach Duran, Daniel and Cara Lighting, and our newest one, John Goals. Thank you guys so much for supporting our podcast. Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast, your weekly dose of the dairy state. We are your hosts, I'm Eric. And I'm Russ. And today we are talking about Jones Deary in Fort Atkinson. Um, the name you may recognize while eating some of uh, the breakfast sausages in the morning. That's, I think, where you see a lot of this product in the frozen uh, yeah. aisle with the breakfast sausages. Um, incredibly great pork breakfast sausages. Uh, Actually, you brought this to my attention. Yeah, which yeah. It's pretty awesome. Uh, my wife and I, we uh, just went to the uh, uh, Fireside Theater, and the Fireside Theater. Uh, on your way there, you actually pass by the the Jones Dairy building, that whole operation right there. So it's kind of over by NASCO and stuff, right? Yeah, like over in that area. Yeah, so we're gonna dive a little bit into that history here in a moment. Um, delicious, delicious uh, stuff. I can I'm, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. We also have great Wisconsin music from Waldemar. Uh, we have another great beer review for you, and of course, the infamous "How many locos you at." Uh, if you have not already, please stop over, leave a review anywhere you choose to listen. Um, if you do have Apple of any sort, if you could go to the the, the page there and leave something there, um, just really helps get this thing moving around uh, in, in a better circulation and that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to know what I'm talking about. I'm not, uh, I didn't go to the moon. I'm not a NASCAR <laughs> yeah, racer. Yeah. I'm not really smart. I don't really know anything about <laughs> stuff so uh i'm not an it guy either very much so yeah i usually just restart yeah i actually did that this morning and it seemed to work i put yeah i unplugged it plugged it back in everything's yeah, fine great everything's good you can be in it man i'm in it all of a sudden i just have an it degree from russ <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this this small act really does uh, uh do wonders uh, for this independent podcast that we're running here um Honestly, more than probably any of, any of us even realize or understand, uh, it's it's an amazing thing that you can do, and it's free, so we'd appreciate it. Uh, now for things that aren't free, but really do help support this thing as well, uh, you can think about becoming a sponsor. You could buy some merchandise. All those different things uh, would really, really help, and you can do all of those things at wisconsindrunkenhistory.com. Uh, that's where you can find out and learn more about any of those things I just mentioned. Let's go ahead and jump right into the Jones Dairy side of things here. Uh, Fort Atkinson, we've talked about this city uh, a number of times yeah. uh, in different episodes, uh, either about Fort 
you know the fort or uh, about other things that that happen out there it's um, a pretty cool little town dude it I mean, really like, is what is a cafe carp usually has some pretty good music going on yeah it's yeah a pretty neat little town and it really does feel like a nice little chunk of uh of wisconsin right in this little small town you know they've got all of the the classic things um including a dinner theater you know it's just yeah, like yeah. it's really cool and uh it really does feel like you've escaped uh, and you're not very far down the road, you know, necessarily, uh, at least for us growing up, Elkhorn was only maybe 25, 30 minutes away from Fort Atkinson. And it was just a nice little escape. Anytime you got a chance to even go out that way. So, yeah. and, and then to learn that, you know, this awesome dairy operations running over there, uh, that's, you know, porking out a bunch of incredible sausages. That's amazing. Yeah, so from Canadian bacon, breakfast sausages, to liver sausage, you most likely at some point in your life have consumed Jones Dairy Meat products. <clears throat> it was in 1832 when Milo Jones, working as a government surveyor, headed west from Vermont to the Michigan Territory. And by 1834, he was surve- surveying what today you know as Blue Mound Road in Milwaukee, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. He surveyed that area. Honestly, in Blue Mound, you know, for us, is now a, a pretty main staple yeah. for, for the Waukesha area. I'm, I'm down over by Blue Mound quite a bit. I, was We were talking about, was it, oh no, we were talking about Moreland Road. Because yeah. we were going to start a band called Moreland because we, like, we used to go there ago, all yeah. the time and like go to all the restaurants. Yeah. And, like, what, they had the Guitar Center. And, exactly. Uh, uh, Casio. I was just going to say, uh, yeah, so uh, Guitar Center, Casio. Uh, of course, you've got uh, um, the the skate shop that was over there. Oh yeah, uh, oh my was God. that Phase Two? No, no, no it, it wasn't was Phase one. Two. It was. Uh, I'll think about it. But yeah, it was. Just, we do this every time. I yeah, think we think I know. About this yeah, stupid skate shop. But I just thought that was pretty interesting. He would eventually land in Fort Atkinson, where he had purchased 600 acres from the Rock River Land and Claim Company for a dollar twenty-five an acre, which at the time was probably pretty pricey, but. Not bad, to be honest, 600 acres. Right. And in 1838, he decided to bring his family to settle in the area, at first uh, with making a small, modest little log cabin on the property. Wow. Yeah, and on this property, Milo had become one of the first dairy farms in Wisconsin, uh, the Jones Dairy Farm. Um, on their farm, they also produced cheese, but also raised pigs for their own consumption. Yeah, and, and I think that that's pretty typical. Kind of homesteading. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's pretty typical of uh, the earliest farms uh, around you know, pretty much anywhere. Not only did they produce uh, uh, dairy and then other dairy byproducts like cheese, like they're saying, but then they would also raise different uh, uh, different animals for their own uh, consumption. Yeah, I mean, a lot of family farms back then. You pretty much had right. to live off the land, I guess. You yeah, would say, you got so. chickens for the eggs, and you also got chickens for chicken nuggets. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to have the nugs. They're like the best. I love freaking chick nugs, dude. I eat like way too many of those bad You never, I mean, how did they get dinosaur shapes? That's pretty. That's crazy. Yeah, especially like the Jurassic Park ones the kids eat all the time. I'll still eat those suckers, dude. I love chicken nugs. Yeah, and how did they get like that? <laughs> it's all natural. <laughs> Real dino meat. Real dino nugs. <laughs> So, in 1889, they started to face financial difficulties, and instead of focusing primarily on cheese, they wanted to switch over to sausage making. And with their existing cheese room on the farm, they had it converted into making sausages, and more of like a butchery shop type right. thing. Or- yeah, so they had to have areas for the casing. Uh, I'm sure that the those cheese rooms like that were already somewhat refrigerated or had areas of refrigeration, so... Um, Probably pretty easy to convert. Um, you yeah. Know. And using a traditional recipe from his mother, uh, Milo, Milo Jr.'s produ- production technique 
it was to use ham, loin, and shoulder cuts instead of the pork trimmings to, trimmings to make the actual sh- make the actual sausage. Yeah, geez, that was hard to say. <laughs> I don't know why. But. but here's the thing. I mean, that's that's great though because that that means that this is a a, a superior product in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, for sure. And the recipe actually comes from his mother, which is like an old pr- uh, production technique. And at this time, it was like probably the most unique way to make sausages. And Milo Jr. selling his sausage to Wisconsin grocers, neighbors, and friends, and quickly expanded to mar- larger markets like Chicago, New York, Boston, and began delivering products by rail. Unlike most sausage makers of the day, Milo advertised heavily, and this advertisement originated to the direct mail, which right, that's is, probably the is best probably pretty point. big at this point. I was just going to say, it's not like a lot of people are driving and seeing billboards. You, you pretty much would only have... Um, you know, direct mail. That's why catalogs back in the day with the Sears and uh, Robux was such a big thing um, because that that was pretty much the only way to uh, shop or advertise anything. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Like the yeah. first marketing and he eventually expanded into national magazines like the Saturday evening post literary digest and good housekeeping as early as 1903. So early in those catalogs history. Absolutely. All each one of them. That's, that's the beginnings of them. And Jones Dairy established a number of industry firsts. In the 1920s, Jones was the first meatpacking company to quick-freeze sausage, which allowed shipping through the United States and abroad without the need for chemical preservation or preservatives, too. Yeah, so yeah. The company was also the first to introduce the line of fully cooked breakfast sausages and one of the first to offer a light breakfast sausage product. Jones also became one of the first meatpacking companies to operate a modern bacteriological laboratory on site to monitor the and test the food safety the company is one of a handful of companies that meets the standards of the american association for laboratory accreditation a nonprofit public service dedicated to the formal recognition of testing laboratories i know i've i've had my fair share of dealing with these type of companies i was just gonna say like with sound testing like nav lap and stuff like that it's got to be it's got to be ridiculously uh first of all expensive bureaucratic yeah, as fuck. And, and in order <laughs> to like, get accredited uh, it, with all these different things, um, starting a business, it, you know, it becomes uh, like you just said, it's very bureaucratic. Like somebody's always got to have uh, their their hands or their say in, in what you're doing. And and even back here in the early 1900s, 1920s, uh, you know, they they weren't spared from any of that. No, the government had their hand in all of it, and and had to get their piece of the pie. You better believe it. That's mm, they're really <laughs> scrimping on my sausage America. here. Yeah. <laughs> so after Milo C. Jones Jr.'s death in 1919, he was succeeded as president by his daughter, Mary. She was followed by her nephew, Alan Jones, in 1960, and then by his brother, Edward Jones, in the 1970s. Alan's son, Milo C. Jones III, became president in 1983. Edward C. Jones Jr. was the seventh president in 1995. And his son, Philip Jones, the great-great-grandson of founder, Milo C., became president and CEO in 2001. One. And you can still get these products today. Yeah. They're still on the market. From I was eight, just going to say. From 1800s till today, you can still buy some of these amazing sausage cacks. Yeah, these are some <laughs> nice logs, baby. I, I actually, you know what's crazy? I didn't ever realize this was from Fort Atkinson. I've eaten these many times. And oh, I never yeah. even realized, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, it may not always be the cheapest product when you're uh, going over to the um, the the sausage area there. The, it's good quality, but it's great quality. It's like good tasting, and, and you can kind of feel decent about buying it because it is local. Um, so you know, when I guess next time you're over there and you're trying to get some sausage to mix with, uh, a lot of people use breakfast sausage to mix with like 
their burger uh, in order to kind of cut that in order to make, um, uh, you know, meatballs and things. And then also, um, uh, mixing uh, for, uh, like biscuits and gravy and stuff, which is something that I do, you know, like I'd say once, uh, once every couple of months, you make a big batch of biscuits and gravy in the morning. You just feel good about it. Oh yeah. And, and you can use this, uh, amazingly tasty local, uh, pork sausage, uh, company in order to, uh, really feel better about eating biscuits and gravy. And, you know, it's it's like nationwide distribution, too. So, if, you know, they have them in Boston. I know that for sure. So you can park your car yeah. and get some sausage. Tom Brady. He's probably <laughs> eating a bunch of these Jones Dairies. You know what's funny about Tom Brady? Do you see he like he's sponsored by Uggs? Oh, is he? That's I don't know, man. That, that <laughs> That's kind of weird. It is really weird. Did he wear them on the football field? He was in like on cleats. I could not believe. I was like, okay, like that's he is. Here's the thing. He was also married to a international supermodel. Uh, So maybe that he just doesn't care anymore. Maybe maybe that's the thing. He just I would if anybody's looking to sponsor me, I'll do it. You'd wear Uggs. I'll fuck yeah. You wear Uggs. All right. Absolutely. If are they giving me money, Uggs. If you're listening, Eric will wear North Face and Uggs. I will. All right. I'm not even kidding. I, I mean. If anybody wants to give me money and all I have to do is wear something, that's pretty easy. Yeah. I'm in. As long as it doesn't say, like, a political statement across it or something. Yeah. Like, I don't want anything questionable. I just... Uggs, though? I mean, that's not so yeah, bad. Yeah, it's not really far left or far right. You're pretty much safe with Uggs, I think. Yeah. They're kind of in the... They're in the moderate zone. Uggs has yet to <laughs> do anything to uh, uh, indicate which side of the aisle they're on. So... You can't I'm really complain about that. Kind of like us. We just don't give a shit. Yep. <laughs> so, but that's going to conclude our main segment. I hope you guys found this fascinating. If you go to the grocery store, make sure to pick up some Jones sausage, which pretty incredible, high-quality meats. All right. On to our music segment. Uh, and as we had already hinted, the, uh, the artist that we're featuring today is Waldemar. Uh, right from the heartland, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Why have I not heard of this? I don't know, man. It's really cool. It reminds me of like a um, an artist I listen to a lot, Gregory Allen Isakoff. Yeah, like kind of in the like genre. Like, it's really cool. It's from our home state, and obviously, like Eau Claire produces some amazing music. Right, and and I don't know what it is about that area. Certainly, just as of recent, you know, we've we've gotten some really great uh, uh, music out of that area, and um. I'll be honest, this is new to me too. And I randomly saw this uh, uh, post or whatever um, by a page that I follow and saw the name. And, you know, pretty much instantly I went to look for the music just to try to find it, followed on Instagram, that kind of stuff. As soon as I heard this song, and this was the first song I listened to, it instantly just fucking broke my brain. And it's amazing. It's, it's cool because it's like real art. Yeah. Like there's feeling behind it. It's not like pop music where it's just like formulated. Like this is somebody like from somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a soul. This is a I real guess. a real message. There was real pain. There was real emotions involved. And the, the I mean, you can hear it throughout every aspect of the of the song, whether it's the music or the lyrics and the singing. It's, it's just all great. And the, the I guess... The thing that really attracted me instantly to it was the way that the vocals sort of started, um, kind of very soft, mellowish, and then all of a sudden, within the first, you know, probably thirty seconds, you've heard this this uh, 
transition from soft, mellow, you know, very like, um, just, just really subdued into holy shit, the yeah. range, uh, and it's all just done so quickly, uh, and, and done so elegantly. I mean, the song is just absolutely amazing. Uh, the one that we chose, uh, uh, is ruthless. That's the one we're talking about right now. And I urge you stream this guy, go buy the albums, do oh, whatever yeah. you can to support, uh, and, and check out, uh, any tour information. I know he's got some, uh, music festivals, uh, coming up as well. Hit, hit it up. This is, I hope that this is the big break here for this guy. Uh, it, it's absolutely incredible music. Again, this is Waldemar Ruthless.
Again, Waldemar, Ruthless, uh, I mean, Russ. The song just gives me the chills. It does. I mean, it's like, it's like atmospheric. It's full. I love like the lazy drums. We were just talking about like. Yeah. And like the dryness. Yeah, I love it. It just, everything works. Such a choice to to do those those types of, it's very low tuned drums. And and like you said, the playing style kind of seems a little bit lag. And, and like you're behind, but not really because it works. It's just, it's, it's just, all just, just a choice. I think all the layers built makes it seem so full and atmospheric. Yeah. It's amazing. It, it works. Like, I mean, like incredible way to put together a song Yeah, right? when you're thinking about all of it. Completely agree. Uh, it feels, feels so good. Uh, and it's even better because it's Eau Claire. I mean, it just, it works. Um, yeah. Now we'll, we'll oh, go ahead. Speaking of our brew review there and Eau Claire, go. so we actually have an awesome beer from Eau Claire. Yeah. Uh, kind of on my way up to uh, Minnesota there, I stopped off and uh, found a new small brewery like I don't know too much about called yeah. the Lazy Monk Brewery, brewery in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. The one I picked up because it was in a 16-ounce can was the Bohemian Pilsner. Yeah. And what kind of drew me to it was the can's logo has like the monk on it yeah like it actually has her like logo it's like a dude with like a kind of a is it like it's like buddha you know yeah i mean when you look at the can it's just kind of cool and it like kind of sticks out it has like 
dude with like you know the the uh, what do you call that the uh, horseshoe hair yeah, haircut yep. like the monks yeah and he has like the uh, mustache like the, and the monk. Uh, like a uh, uh, cloak yeah, type thing. Almost like a potato sack that looks, yeah, like a cloak or a robe. And then the mustache. Like, it, it stuck out to me, so I had to kind of grab this to try. And, uh, yeah, this one's a Bohemian Pilsner. Yeah. Um, which, if when you're in your transition stage, I guess, like, the Pilsner's probably your best bet for going from, we've talked about this many times, from, like, a cheap beer yeah. to, like, craft beer. And I think this one works really well at 4.9% ABV, Similar ABV to your domestics, which right. is nice, but the just four, a better four or five percent kind of is is the is the normal range there, uh, and this isn't gonna this isn't gonna tip the scales for you like crazily, and uh, on top of all of that, it's uh, just a, a nice light refreshing beer, especially for like this time of year. We're getting back, you know, to the Finally. point where it's like 70, 80 degrees out, and um, that four point nine with like a really low IBU thirty two. Uh, just really nice and refreshing. Tractors are out. Tulips are blooming. Yeah. People are planting. You got to get this nice, crisp, like fresh summer beer. It is. Yeah, exactly. It's a nice, crisp, refreshing summer type beer. Malty, clear, a lot of carbonation, low IBU. So you get more malty than you get in the hoppiness. Right. Just, just an all around good beer. And yeah. obviously like Eau Claire, I never really get a chance to stop there often. It's kind of like on my trip over to like Minneapolis or if I'm going, you know, further up north right. to Canada to Thunder Bay, I kind of just go through there. I never really have a chance to enjoy that town. Yeah. But like with all the music coming out of there, I think I think I need, we need to make a couple stops out there. Well, they've got a couple good music festivals out of there too. Obviously, Eau Claire, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the big one, but then the... I think Blue Ox is uh, up there as well. So is Somerset in that area as well? I think Can, so. I think it's over in that area as well. Like yeah. just a massive, yeah, s- just festival. big, big cool festivals. You know, even happening in that location that uh, you know you and I are definitely going to have to to schedule some events because, I mean, if if we're if we're missing if we if if it took us this long to find. You know, Waldemar, uh, what else are we missing? You know? I know, that's what and I'm that's... saying. And then plus, you know, you can get some, like, good festival beer. You go here, grab exactly. some of this uh, Lazy, Lazy Monk. Monk and just throw it in your cooler. And, and Brewing Project to... up there is always big. Oh, yeah, big. Brewing Project, who we've had on the show. Yeah. Just great people in general, too. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're, like, gluten-free or have gluten issues, they got a lot of beers for that solution, like sorghum and yeah. all the other that's things right. you can use that don't cause you those stomach issues or... Who wants to have diarrhea? Who wants to have diarrhea at a music festival? Let's no. just throw it out there. Nobody does. No, those toilets are already disgusting. Yeah, and and it's it generally it's hot. I mean, no one wants three area. Yeah, in, in the heat in a in a porta potty that's hot, it just feels bad, and you don't want to upset the gut too much. So. You want to listen to jams, not have to crap. Yeah, and this is like <laughs> I don't want to have to clean up a mess. Yeah, so I mean, there are definitely a ton of options out there, but definitely stop by Lazy Monk in Eau Claire. Just a great beer. Highly recommend. Grab a seat, gather round, join us for a chat. How many logos you have? All right, folks, you know what that means. It's the time we all call How Many Locos You Wear. So I got a few things to kind of th- throw out there before. What is, yeah. what is liquor, 106 miles per hour, and seven kids have in common? Well, you don't want them to have anything in common, but no. Eric, can you tell us what's going on here? Yeah, in fact, you want those things to live they're, on they're pretty, opposite sides of like the It's like church country. and state. There should be a little wall there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, mother of seven accused of driving at 106 miles per hour while drunk in Wisconsin. Fast and Furious mom. Vin Diesel mom. Oh, yeah. And 
The 26-year-old, it says, was arrested on Friday. Probably a good idea. Mother of seven, 26 years old. She was going ham. Slow down. Yeah. You're, Dude, you're, you're not even only enjoyed going, any life. You're going 106 miles per hour in the bedroom, too. You're not. Yeah. That's like a speed demon. Like, what a choice. Um, Seed demon. So <laughs> a woman was arrested last week after she allegedly topped speeds of 106 miles per hour while drunk with seven kids in her car. This is over in the western side of the state. Uh, the Wisconsin State Patrol says a trooper received a driving complaint just after 9.30 p.m. Friday in the westbound lanes of Interstate 94. The trooper found the car near milepost 14 and clocked it driving 106 miles per hour. Um, after making a traffic stop, trooper noticed signs of impairment and conducted multiple field sobriety tests that determined with a, a pretty great degree of uh, certainty here that this woman was fucked. Oh yeah, you know what's really sad though is like she's so young to have that many kids. Like I'm sure she just like that's needs, probably why she's she, drinking. She probably just time. needs like that break. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seven kids, like, and like we yeah. don't know if they're the same dad. They're guessing probably not. Yeah, maybe, but you never know. Uh, but that I mean, like you said though, the fact is, uh, what quality of life is she living? Uh, from the young age Dude, of like twenty six, you're still partying at that age, right? You're not hitting your 30s yet where you're kind of like going downhill like me. You know what exactly. I mean? Like you're still partying. I'm far hard. downhill already. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I, don't, then, I don't like looking in the mirror anymore. And then but. just imagine you throw seven kids into the mix uh, all before you're 30 and you just never really had a chance to slow down and grow up and just have fun and experience things. So she's making the mistakes uh, at, at a, a young age like we all did, but she's also got all these um, responsibilities. responsibilities, you know, and that's tough. So the woman was taken to Hudson Hospital for a blood draw, which is uh, normal in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, the breathalyzer is not admissible in court. That's not a good enough evidence. So they always get a blood draw. So there is a warrant or not a warrant, uh, uh, whatever, uh, in order to, to serve and, and get the blood. Um, and her children, all of which are under the age of 16, which I think we all knew that. Uh, just based on her being 16 herself or uh, 26 herself, how could she have any kids over the age of 16? So all seven of them are under the age of 16. They were all taken to the St. Croix County Child Protective Services uh, following the mother's arrest. Uh, the woman faces a pending charge of operating a motor vehicle while under the influence, uh, her first offense. I mean, which how, is, that's pretty surprising, though. You know, I mean, she just well, I mean, maybe she doesn't had, have like a she, lifelong issue. At she that had point, one but. bad night, you know, and it just right. kind of ruined her life and her kids' lives. You know what I mean? It's, I think it's definitely going to mar uh, and leave some some uh, lasting effects. I think you know, and you know, for the for the older ones, you know, there's probably some children at that point. You got seven. You're only 26. There's probably some of them that are uh, pretty young at this point oh, yeah. still. But you got probably one or two that are like we're talking six or a, seven years old. That's we're lasting memory. We have to talk about a, <clears throat> what she was driving to. Seven kids. It's it's a van. We know we don't know. I if thought this, it was a school bus. It might be. <laughs> no, we don't know if this is like an, like we're talking like a cargo Econoline, or are we talking here? Well, it like also could just be like Dodge a Yukon Caravan or like a Dodge Caravan Suburban or something. It could know. backward facing seats like an old Junker clapped right. out 106 miles an hour. I was thinking like the new kind that is nice, but that's a thought. Hold on to the seat, Buck Weiler. We're yeah. going 106. She had, she had five kids in the car, and the other two were on the roof, and that's just how it goes. Grab on, Buck Walter. I'm putting Buck the pedal. Walter. <laughs> I'm Jesus putting the pedal down. Christ. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen here, Chuckweed. Get in. <laughs> Come here, Buck. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Clam. Hop on. My one kid's name is Shotgun. <laughs> and uh, that's about it. Yeah. Um, Cletus, hang on. Cletus. <laughs> I should have been a plow boy. I should have learned to roll a plow or whatever. I don't know what the lyrics <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah. Um, but no, man, what, what, a, what a shitty sitch for this person. Right. You know what I mean? To be <clears throat> like, you know, 26, you maybe had a few drinks at a party or friend's house or something to kind of get away, like just to escape. Drove home 106 miles per hour. That was the mistake. Turned well, those keys all over, you know. I know I know plenty of parents who, uh, you know, their their kids are um, youngish, you know, starting to, to create friendships and things and the parents all co-mingle uh so that the kids can hang out and stuff too and the parents generally have a few cocktails during that point in time and generally they all you know they drive home but they're usually not going 106 miles per hour I, yeah um one one key factor we don't have here uh, for for evidence is uh how drunk was she? I don't have a number that says that I, she was. You I know, honestly completely... don't think she was that drunk. I don't think she could have been to go 106 miles an hour uh, in, the, in the state and focused, seven kids. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're. I don't think you're wasted blackout drunk. So I, I feel like she had a couple drinks and then decided to get home. And you know that the I 94 is the 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 legal driving speed limit is 70 miles an hour. So it's it's I like mean, thirty six over. I mean, like, and and in you know, I, to me, uh, when I'm on you know the highway I ninety four, um, I, you know I'll go eighty, uh, but I always feel like I'm going pretty effing fast when I'm going oh, yeah. eighty. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't think this is a a mistake. Like, oops, I didn't realize I was going that fast. Hundred and six miles an hour. If you've ever gone that fast. You have to pay attention. Oh yeah! Like it, it automatically kicks in the adrenaline. Your eyes are wide open. Your hands are taut on the wheel, just death grip in order to make sure that you don't lose control over. I've been you. drinking all night. My hands wet on the wheel. Four locals going down in. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I don't think but, it's. I don't think it's a blackout drunk kind of situation. But to get to the Fast and Furious level. Um, we may have a four local drinker. We gotta throw that out there too. We actually may be. have a true four local drinker here with the adrenaline. Yeah, and it's easy to get uh, you know a couple cans of those babies at the old quick trip when you're uh, you know sometimes you're it's, back there you you want to get a Red Bull but was, then you accidentally get a four local. I was just talking to somebody about this like oh yeah I'm gonna get a single to drink later. No, that's a goddamn road soda. Let's throw it out there in Wisconsin. Yeah. If you're getting a single. You're yeah. not saving that for home. They Come shouldn't on. even sell those because of the idea that you're definitely cracking that that fucking buddy on oh. the way home. And look, look, let's just take a walk down any highway in Wisconsin and look at what's oh, in the ditch. Those, bad boys. those are where they all land. So if you want to find a whole bunch of singles cans, like if you collect aluminum, just go down any highway in Wisconsin. There's, you, you got $50 in a sack by the time like you're done. There's like a thousand uh, forty, you know, uh, um, 40 ounce uh, Bud Lights. Or the Coors know, Lights the fucking, or the Hurricanes the or like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You go to a gas station, get a single. We all know what you're going to do. It's a, road, it's a road soda. Quick Trip employees, absolute. They, they should almost be uh, legally uh, advised to like say, and please don't drink this on the way home. 
See you Promise. next time. See you next time. Don't crack that in your car. See you next That's time. That's the next slogan for a quick trip. <laughs> <laughs> don't crack that in the car. See you next time. Don't crack that can. Yeah. Cars shouldn't even have cup holders, okay? Because we all know what's going on in there. Just oh, kidding. yeah. But but for real, uh, I, I think I have some sort of a number here. I mean, it's pretty low on my scale. I think she was just over the limit. I mean, do you want to go on three? I, I got a number. Yeah, absolutely. Three, two, one, eight. Six. Okay, so seven yeah. local. I was kind of in that same ballpark. Yeah. I don't think she was that drunk. I think the 106 miles per hour and having a little bit of that liquor in the system is what did her in. And I think, you know, the reason why I said six instead of eight, eight would make sense, you know, for our mathematical, you know, purposes here. But um, it's kind of an unfortunate loco. It is. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> but you can't be, I don't think you can be at a, at a full two cans of four loco. Uh, and still go 106 miles an hour with seven kids. I think you have to be maybe at that one and a half can is kind of like that that moment where it's still possible. Yeah, I, I think I'll go with six local with you. Yeah. Eric, do you want to sell the gavel? Yeah, I sure do want to. Law and order that motherfucker. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home.